0: If you have a Bible, turn to Proverbs chapter 9. We're, we're, we're doing really a second week of introducing a series in the book of Proverbs that, as your bulletins say, is called Instructions for Life. Starting last week and then all through the, the summer months, we're going to be studying the book of Proverbs, looking for really what it offers, which is wisdom that turns into the instruction manual for our lives, for the categories of our lives, and we'll go week by week for each individual theme, how the book of Proverbs offers truth that will give us life and life more abundant for each area that we live. And as you're turning to Proverbs 9, or if you're already there, I'll introduce the the second part of our introduction with a personal story of a time that I had shuffling through the mail earlier this month, Uh, I get two invitations this month for something that was happening, two events that were happening on the same day at the same time. So the process of elimination ensued, weighing my options for uh, what to do on a Friday night, deciding between a beautiful wedding that was for a young, vibrant, awesome couple of our church, um, a wedding that included uh, an invitation for food and a time for my family and just to be with friends. Um, and on the same day, at the same time, I had another invitation for a beautiful timeshare presentation. And so I had, to, <laughs> I had to weigh the options as to what to do. And they both had some similar things that they were offering, some food, time for the family, and a life-changing experience. And so I <laughs> dressed up the kids, and I took the wife out, and uh, we did end up going to the timeshare uh, presentation. And uh, looks like I bought a boat, so congratulations. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Of course I'm kidding. <laughs> Some of you are like, you went to the timeshare. No. Uh, we went to the wedding, because I had to make a decision based off what would be best for my life and my kids and and the the time that I have to enjoy the things that God has given me. And I have uh, heard enough about timeshare opportunities that they're not all they cracked up to be. So if you take nothing else from the sermon. The reason I'm mindful of that as we look at this second introduction of the book of Proverbs is because the book of Proverbs... Before it gets to all of the wise sayings, which is often what we think of with the book of Proverbs, those really get going in Proverbs chapter 10. So the book can really be thought of in three separate sections. Chapters 1 through 9 are really an introduction to the beauty and the offerings of life and wisdom and knowledge and understanding that God gives us through the Proverbs. And it goes at great lengths to extend an invitation that we'd be interested in responding to. Chapters 10 through 29 are the wise sayings, and we'll look at those as we go week by week through specific themes. And then the last two chapters are really the grand finale of what a life built around the Proverbs looked like. But last week we looked at chapter 1. Today we're going to look at chapter 9 as a way to bookend the introduction. We started our introduction with the key verse, Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And so we define those terms, wisdom, think of as skill for your life or instructions to live by. And you don't get any of it. You're not interested in preaching. You don't read the Bible. You're not interested in God's way of doing things if you don't care about God. So fundamentally, we started with a fear of God, which very briefly we restate because it comes up time and time again in receiving the instructions of Proverbs. Fear of God meaning respecting his ways above our ways. And being totally in awe or reverent of who he is as the mighty one over all of creation. With fear of God, the Proverbs then send you into a fork in the road. Because Proverbs chapter 1 verse 7 goes on to say, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge or wisdom, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. So now throughout the book, we will have two specific people who respond to these moments, whether it's preaching or reading through the Proverbs. You will be a wise person who fears God's way above your own and does it, or you'll be called a fool, a foolish person who thinks your ways are better than God's and you do life according to your own instruction manual. And of course, the fool will have his folly ending in destruction. So Proverbs chapter 9, in a sense is those two forks in the road personified with two invitations. And that's what we'll look at today. Before we get into all of the different wise sayings, we, we end our introduction of the series in Proverbs 9 by examining the two decisions that you will make in every area of your life. My little example falls short that it's one day, one time. What the Proverbs will say today is that there is a way of wisdom and there is a way of folly and you will decide one or the other based in everything you do. In every decision you make, you will make it with wisdom or you will make it with foolishness. And that's your only options and it will cover every area of your life. So today we examine the invitations and we leave here with, I hope, a fear of God that points us towards continually accepting the invitation offered by wisdom. So we start in Proverbs chapter 9, and as the book of Proverbs can be broken down into three sections, our study today, Proverbs chapter 9, really is three parts. And so I'll tell you the parts, we'll go through them, and then we'll finish with a song. Sound good? So part one will be the invitation to the feast. Part two, which actually comes at the end of the proverb, will be an invitation to a funeral. And then right in the middle, we'll look at a fork in the road. Which way are you going today, tomorrow, and for the rest of your life? So we start with a feast. It says in chapter 9, verse 1, Wisdom has built her house. She has hewn out her seven pillars. Right out the gate, we have a moment which, in studying the Bible and reading the Bible, uh, you have to appreciate as maybe something you're not always expecting when you hear about preaching or reading the Bible, that the Bible is not just a code of moral ethics given to us like math problems. In fact, the the Proverbs, as they unfold, will be given to us as principles to live by, and to understand them, we'll get all sorts of imagery and pictures of how these Proverbs look in everyday life. And one of the images that we get for Proverbs throughout the book, starting in chapter nine, is the image of wisdom personified as a woman. See, it says, wisdom has built her house. So, In today's examination of two invitations, we're going to actually look at two women inviting us into a home of sorts. And throughout the imagery, as we get the invitation from, as is often called, Lady Wisdom, there's some clues about what is being offered us through the invitation of wisdom. It says, even in her house, she has built her house, and she has hewn out her seven pillars. Uh, So already we get the imagery of something solid. We've got seven pillars that this house is built upon. And so for this little lesson, we just have to remember what majority of you already saying. I love when the worship aligns with what we're gonna preach in the word because I can tune in and I can hear the majority of the congregation singing a teaching point right now, which was when you all sang, I will build my life upon your word. It is my firm foundation. That is what this is saying. Come into the household of wisdom. It is built on these seven pillars representing the strength of a life committed to the wisdom of God. An invitation into a life with a foundation. Of course, this will make you think of, for any of you who remember our Summer on the Mount series, Matthew chapter 7. Jesus says, Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise builder who builds his house upon the rock listening to the word of God and building your your life upon it is like building your life on something firm. And then it goes from the place of the invitation to what's on the menu. It says this, verse two, she has slaughtered her meat. She has mixed her wine. She has also furnished her table. And as I was studying this, I realized that I would be upsetting the vegan, the Baptist and the feminist all at once right there. She's slaughtering meat, she's pouring wine, and she's setting a table to serve anyone who would come in. And at the risk of offending whatever category you find yourself in, the point being is that she is preparing a feast, a, a beautiful, in that ancient time, a, an expensive and costly feast so that whoever would come in would experience this love of hospitality and incredible nourishment and merriment. And that is, in fact, what is offered when we open the Word of God and look at it as nourishment for our soul. The, the Proverbs that we look at and we study and all of the ways that the Word of God is the wisdom to build your life upon are asking you to build your life upon something that is good for your soul. And wine representing that, that glass that you cheer and you drink to the merriment and the joy of your life. And so, lest we think that wisdom is inviting us into this strong house built on so much uh, intelligence and smarts that anyone who is unwise comes in and feels condemned and unworthy, and they're at a party that they have, they have no business being at, the idea is that it's a joyful experience. It's, it's fun to get invited to a feast. Part of the invitation that I get invited to when I take my family to the wedding is, This is amazing. We're all going to eat together, and then we're going to dance, and we're going to enjoy ourselves. And that is what Lady Wisdom is offering anyone who comes by her house. And now we get to the invitation. It says in verse 3 that she has sent out her maidens. She cries out from the highest places of the city. This is throughout the, the first nine chapters of the book of Proverbs. We get... All sorts of imagery of the Proverbs desiring to be something that you would want to experience, that you would hear about, that this is no secret knowledge. This is not God giving a select few people on earth the insight on how to live. But she sends out her servants to the high parts of the city, fresh back from a trip to. Jerusalem and seeing those city walls, I can't help but think of just the the proclamation from the top of the tallest wall for anyone in that city who desires to come to this feast, they would come. And that is, in fact, the way that we believe the word of God is a blessing for every single person here and that God would give his wisdom out liberally. I just think of all of the ways that God sends his maidens or his servants to proclaim the the feast, the goodness of his word, the knowledge that comes from just knowing him. And we just prayed for the Westms and we're sending them to Africa. And they're going to minister to evangelists and pastors and people who are going around the world to call people into the knowledge of God in a way that would be nourishment for their soul and merriment for their heart. And we pray for our missionaries. And last week, I I think of all of you who went to the, the vacation Bible school leadership pizza party. And the goal is to send people out into the neighborhoods and bring kids in and say, here is God's plan for how to live your life. And in fact, the exercise of what we're doing right now. You imagine... Sunday morning, United States of America, and there are hundreds of thousands of people standing behind the word of God and proclaiming the goodness of his word over people who would hear it. God has made his word known for all of his people who have ears to hear that they would hear it. In other words, no one should be spiritually malnourished. No one should go through life wondering what the purpose of life or the best way to live life is. And in this message, the invitation not only extends in scope, but it extends right into the person who hears it with an invitation that is for all. Because the maidens say, verse 4, Whoever is simple, let him turn in here. As for him who lacks understanding, she says to him, come. Come eat of my bread and drink of the wine I have mixed, forsake foolishness and live and go in the way of understanding. The, the invitation is for whoever is simple. The, the Proverbs will essentially reach throughout the study. Every time you read it, there will be three categories of people that can receive the Proverbs as though it's speaking to them. You have the wise person who receives the instruction of the Proverbs and applies it to their life. You have the foolish foolish person who is rejecting the wisdom of God in favor of their own. And then you have time and time again the simple person or the one who lacks understanding. And that is the invitation that's being offered in the feast. It is for anyone who is simple and lacking of understanding, which I so appreciate because although I stand up behind the word of God, speaking with the authority of the power of the Holy Spirit, uh, I myself, and I I believe every single one of you, would qualify as a simple person who lacks understanding. You think about all of the categories that wisdom can be applied to in your life, and all of the times that you just have to throw up your hands and say, I could use some help. I think of the, the, the offices that I hold in my life right now, and I am a pastor, and no doubt there are times in the ever changing world that we live in, in the ever changing church that I serve in, in the ever changing times that we just find ourselves alive in. As soon as you think you have it figured out, you don't know what you're doing again. (laughs) And you have to say, I am simple, I lack understanding, I need to come and feast on the meat and the merriment of the Word of God. And I extend it to those categories that you can relate to. I am also a parent. And I've got four kids who will not stop changing. (laughs) Every time that I think I have them figured out in their little stages and ages, they do something to remind me that they're still growing and they're changing all the time. And I have to put my hands up in the air and say, I once again am simple and I lack understanding. And the Proverbs say, well, come right on in. We got a seat for you. I'm I'm a husband. And not only do my kids change, but my wife changes all the time. And when it comes in the form of a haircut, I'm supposed to notice it immediately. (laughs) And as soon as I have her figured out, she does something that requires me to know more understanding and to once again admit that I'm simple and lack the knowledge and foresight that I need to serve her well. Now, I, I, I expose myself as a simpleton only so that you can relate and admit yourself that every category of your life, until you are in the presence of God for eternity, will push you once again to a moment where you say, I don't know what I'm doing. And with that as part of the invitation, the word of God once again says, come in, I've prepared a feast for you. And the maidens have gone out to welcome people in. And I love the order of the feast. She makes the food and pours the wine and sets the table before she even sends the invite. Pretty much like my wife in that way. She has more food than she knows what to do with and She's like, call Tom, tell him to come over. <laughs> God has more knowledge, wisdom, and, un- and understanding than you have need. He's not waiting to see who responds before he puts together the wisdom that he has founded the world with. It is in every fabric of your life the wisdom of God is waiting to be revealed to you at the feast of his word for any time that you come in. And it is the grain of the universe. It is the way God made the heavens and the earth and everything in it with an element of wisdom as their foundation to know how we are to live. And once again we reference just the joy of fearing God and awing God and respecting God and saying, God, I am coming once again, so different and so in need of your wisdom and understanding. And she says, When you come in and you eat, she says, Forsake foolishness, go in the way of understanding. And she says, and live. What is being offered day by day by day in the invitation of the feast is another way for us to go and live well. Everything that will be offered to you in the ways of wisdom is not simply that you would be a more dutiful Christian and Bible thumper. It is, in fact, to teach you how you were always made to live, to unlock the categories as discussed so that we would find more life and more strength and more health for our bones in all of the things that God gives us instruction for. As I preached this first service, someone came up to me and said, you know, the Wall Street Journal just came out with an article yesterday that said people who love God live longer. I said, I believe it. He teaches us how to live This is the invitation of the feast. This is a message that we cannot avoid if we're ever going to receive the Proverbs in a way, or the word of God, in a way that will change our lives. It is the difference between life and death. In fact, if you just look up slightly, for me it's up, for you it might be a page over. It's Proverbs chapter 8. Starting in verse 34, it says, Blessed is the man who listens to me, watching daily at my gates, waiting at the posts of my doors. For whoever finds me, finds life, and obtains favor from the Lord. But he who sins against me, sins against wisdom, wrongs his own soul, and all those who hate me love death. Proverbs chapter 8. It is the difference between the categories of your life being built up with more and more and more life abundant or withering away at the vine leading unto death, which brings us to a second invitation. We now have part two, the funeral, which starts in chapter 9 verse 13. It says, a foolish woman is clamorous. She is simple and knows nothing. Uh, Clamorous is loud or boisterous. Many people look at the first half of Proverbs chapter 9 and they see wisdom personified a woman that would be the majesty of a queen with her pillars and her house and her feast. And you're entering into the presence of royalty. And then they look at the the second invitation that comes from Lady Folly and they look as though she's this loud and boisterous street woman. I have the image I, uh, early in the year, took my family to Las Vegas, long story, <laughs> and we were walking down the, the little strip just going to see the town, and me and my, my kids, my, holding my hands, we just ran into the, the, the showgirls, now these aren't the professional showgirls, these are the showgirls with like, a, with like a Slurpee in their hand and a Polaroid, and they're like, hey kids, you want to take a photo? And my kids look at that and then they look at me and I'm like, we're gonna keep walking. But the imagery was just these loud women who all they wanted to do was get people in to spend a little money, take a photo and get to the next one. It's a picture of folly. It's a picture of what's being offered to you when you choose something other than wisdom. And, And I love what it says. It's a loud, clamorous woman. She is simple and knows nothing. If the first woman was wisdom personified, this next woman could also be, let's say, social media personified. (laughs) She's loud, she's boisterous, she actually knows nothing. Do we live in a time where the, the fools have been platformed to be loud and boisterous and tell you how to live and make offers for things for you to do in your life, and yet in the end, they know nothing. We have made idiots into experts and we are all paying the price, lest we follow after them. So we have a woman now standing loud and boisterous who knows nothing and it says, she sits at the door of her house on a seat by the highest place of the city to call those who pass by who go straight on their way. Notice so much of the the, the two invitations will look similar. We have a woman. We have a location that is at the high part of the city trying to get the most reach and the most audience. And the, as sure as it is, as we have God's wisdom going out liberally with all of his servants preaching and evangelizing and making invitations to know the word, we sure as that have also all of the distractions of the world being just as loud, reaching out to the same people. And many of us will go through life choosing back and forth between the two. And it's an exercise to get to church just to hear the word preached and overcoming all of the clamorous noise for the things you could be doing or giving your attention to right now. I remember growing up, one of the biggest challenges for me to get to church was that church was on the same day as NFL football. It was such a, uh, it was like my gift to God to put him before the the football team that I would like to watch because they sit in the same spot and they go on at the same time and I've got to make a decision of who I actually want to listen to. And no doubt church is one example. There are all sorts of ways that you will find yourself with this invitation for wisdom and folly hitting at the same place at the same time, reaching out to the same people all throughout your life. It says to to call out to those who pass by who go straight in their way. And in in this picture, we have a, another another image. It's, she's calling out to those who are trying to go straight, lacking understanding and simple. I can't help but think of that scene in Pinocchio. He's now a, a, a animated puppet, and he's on the, the, the street now to try to make it to school to get some... Wisdom and understanding, he, he lacks, he doesn't know how to live life. And what happens on the way to school? He, he runs into these, these tempters and he's trying to go straight and they've got a better plan for his life. And they say, why don't you come this way? And of course, it's a, a lesson in listening to the invitation of folly. How many of us straight on our way, lacking understanding, have just been tempted into foolish decisions with our life? And then it says, "Where whoever is simple, let him turn in here. And as for him who lacks understanding, she's after the same person. You need some help in life? Do you need uh, an area of your life to be built up and strengthened for something that you're confused about? The invitation looks the same until you actually get inside. And isn't that the truth between wisdom and folly, God's way and the way of the world? It, It looks like it comes from the same heart to help you in a time of need, a similar invitation, anyone who lacks understanding, and and yet when you get inside, what does she give you? Stolen water is sweet, and bread eaten in secret is pleasant. There's no slaughtered meat, there's no mixed wine, there's no table setting for the feast. There is stolen water and a little bit of bread. And her invitation actually is playing on the human nature for the forbidden things in our life. In fact, she invites them to try some water that will taste sweet. To eat some bread in secret in an exhilarating kind of way. And there's a moment where we have to call a spade a spade and admit that she's not wrong in some of these things. In some of the ways that foolishness will draw you into temptation and offers you something pleasant, it will be pleasant. It'll be about as pleasant as satisfying as a piece of bread. It'll be as satisfying as a momentary relief from some water that you didn't earn. And she is representing the foolishness into sin. And there is no doubt that sin has a season of pleasure. If you're in a season of sin right now and you're listening to all of this and you're thinking, I don't know, it seems pretty fun, you're probably not wrong. The problem is, is that it is pleasant for a moment and then it is absolutely destructive. As I was preparing my heart to share this with you this morning, I, I went to this spot that I enjoy downtown. I like to go there every morning and pray and just think about what the word is saying and just give it all to the Lord. And as I was praying, I saw, I shouldn't smile, this is sad, I saw a guy and his hair was you know, still on the top of his head and he had kind of a loosened tie and he came from like a basement of a downtown building and it, he just looked around like, how did I get here? And it looked to me as though he woke up in the same clothes that he went out in last night. Oftentimes that's called the walk of shame, just if you've never heard that, but it looks like I saw one in person. And he just walked off looking around, no doubt, trying to find his car or his home so that he could go back to bed and sleep in comfort. And it is such a picture in one night of how fast the pleasures of the party last. 15 minutes of joy, of excitement, of fun. You to spend the whole next day with a hangover. And that is a small picture of a greater picture of things that have already been warned as the invitation of Proverbs says, don't be a fool, but be wise. And they use the example of adultery. Stolen water is sweet, could be pleasurable for a minute. And you have a moment of pleasure and a lifetime of destruction. And whatever sin is offered to you in the momentary pleasure of Lady Folly, remember where this story goes. It says, Stolen water is sweet, bread eaten in secret is pleasant, but he does not know that the dead are there, that her guests are in the depths of hell. Lady Wisdom says, Go and live. Lady Folly says, Come and die. A feast and a funeral, and this is the beginning of what we believe is the power of what we're doing right now, that God would redeem us from the corruption and decay of all of the ways that we would live our life apart from him, all of the ways that every single one of us have fallen into something foolish and have had to learn the lesson that inside the invitation is the path to hell itself. That we reject God's way for marriage and parenting and pastoring and being a church family who loves one another. We reject God's way for loving our neighbor. And we are walking towards a path of destruction unto death. And we look back and we see it in our culture. A culture that has shook their fist at God and now walks towards death. And it's easier to see out, but God always calls us to see it in. So now we look at part three. We saw a feast, we saw a funeral, and now we see a fork in the road. How are we going to be people who feast on the life of wisdom and the word of God and avoid the trappings of death and destruction from the folly of sin? There's six verses in between the two stories that give surprising answers. We'll look at three of the answers now. First, it says this. Proverbs chapter 9, verse 7. He who corrects a scoffer gets shame for himself, and he who rebukes a wicked man only harms himself. So now we have some of the beginning of those wise frames. Careful who you correct. Careful who you offer wisdom to, because you offer wisdom to someone who doesn't want to uh, hear it, and they'll actually just harm you. So just save your correction. And we, we know that to be true. I mean, how many have you have tried to, share the word or offer some correction to someone who doesn't want to hear it and it's just like you're wasting your time. I can always use my children for this example. Tommy, my youngest son right now, is the perfect scoffer right now because he just plugs his ears whenever I try to tell him anything. (laughs) It's like, okay, I'm not gonna waste my time. Uh, The wisdom of God will be scoffed at by the world. In all of the ways that we discuss the, the specific ways that God's calling us to live his ways and not ours, Uh, he's also calling you to be laughed at and scoffed at and made a fool of in the eyes of people who are still shaking their fist at the truth of God. So we get right into scoffing. We get right into those who hate wisdom and we get right into a fork in the road because look what he says in verse 8. Do not correct a scoffer lest he hates you. Rebuke a wise man and he will love you. So one of the ways that the invitation is answered today is in one simple word. We don't use it very often because we're probably scoffers around the word. But the proverb says that if you rebuke a wise man, he'll love you. What does it mean to rebuke? It says, rebuke, express sharp disapproval or criticism criticism of someone because of their behavior or action. How many of you love being rebuked because of your behavior or action? Usually I do uh, rhetorical polls. This one's probably real, not one hand up. (laughs) (laughs) And yet, if you really think about the differences between the two invitations, how did Lady Wisdom end her feast. It wasn't a random feast. It ended in life, but look what she said. She said, forsake foolishness. She invites in anybody who will come. She says, I've made you a feast with meat and wine and I've set the table and all are welcome. All you need is a lack of understanding. And when you come in, I've got a message for you. Stop being a fool. And right there, you've already eliminated half of her guests. Because most of us, in our foolishness, do not want to admit we're being fools. Most of us, in our desire to live according to our own ways, do not want to admit that we need God's wisdom. You want to sit at the table of wisdom? Be ready for her to say, don't be an idiot anymore. Stop being a fool. Forsake all of the foolishness of your life. And the proverb directly after that says, you'd learn to do that. You're a wise man who loves rebuke and correction. Do you want to know how we could put a little salt in the world that God has called us to live in in 2023? We could be people, unlike most people in this world, who say, we actually need all the help we could get. Humbling ourselves in the fear of God, knowing that his ways are so great and our ways are so foolish. And we say, weekly, we go through exercises trying to learn more and more and more how to be reformed from our foolishness and be formed into the wisdom of God. God, bring on your cleansing power of your word. And this is a fork in the road because you won't read the Proverbs if you don't want rebuke. If you're wise in your own eyes and you're doing your marriage and your parenting and your pastoring and loving your neighbor and going to church exactly how you think it should be done, then you don't need to read the Proverbs, enjoy your bread and your sweet water. But as soon as we begin to realize that every single one of us have been fools in any way that we have not aligned ourselves with God, we come and we say, God, cleanse us once again. May your word go out and and restore my heart, refresh my heart, renew my heart, renew all the categories of my life for the ways that I'll continually get it wrong apart from you. This is so important, and it's a problem as old as the New Testament. Look what Paul writes to Timothy in teaching him wisdom. He says, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, convince, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and teaching. He says, preach and rebuke and encourage people and exhort them with long-suffering, meaning in, in a labor of love, try to shape these believers that you're serving. And then what does he say? For a time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers and will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to fables. I think if someone came in as... to give a spiritual diagnosis for the division in politics and in neighborhoods and in churches, it would be that no one wants to do anything outside of their own desires anyway. People come to church, and they'll stay as long as you don't offend all of their desires. And people will make friendships as long as someone doesn't offend something that they are really passionate about. And yet the word of God says that we have to come and be willing to be radically changed all the time. To to be rebuked, to allow the word of God to come and say, this is the way to live. And if you're not doing it this way, here's how you can be corrected. And and here's what I'll say about all this. Some of you are like, yes and amen. I've been waiting to rebuke some people for a long time. (laughs) I, I, I appreciate Lady Wisdom, before she offered any correction, before she said, forsake your foolishness, what did she do? She, she prepared a feast. She, she gave food and drink, and she sent people to invite them into a, a place that was ready-made. She is caring for them and she is loving them. She desires to build up anyone who needs help. And she says, here's how I wanna help you. Don't be a fool. So if you want to be part of any way that God could use your life to offer some refreshment and renewal to people, you better cook some steaks before you have them over. You better be very generous and charitable and kind. And with the truth and love, we build each other up in all of the ways that we have been fools and God is pulling us into more and more and more ways to be wise. The second thing, that we can see is that it says, Lady Wisdom said, forsake foolishness and live, go in the way of understanding. So just rebuking someone is not really helping them. If you say, stop doing something, what what Proverbs will do all the time when we read it, it will expose ways we've been fools and it will point us ways to be wise. And that's what she says. She says, now go and, and go in understanding. It says in Proverbs 9.9, 9, give instruction to a wise man and he will be wiser. Teach a just man and he will increase in learning. An increase and a desire for more and more understanding so that he can be instructed in the way to go. I see these two things come together beautifully in Psalm chapter 139 as David just this reverence for the fear of God in his life. Psalm 139 is all about how wherever David goes, God is there. And God is with him and he cares for him. And he's just got this awe of God all through Psalm 139. And at the very end, he says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties and see if there is any wickedness in me. In other words, correct whatever is wrong about me, God. Cleanse me in your word, in the power of your presence. And then he says, and lead me in the way everlasting. Tell me where to go, God. So we come to the preaching of God's word. And we come around each other in the exhortation of God's word. One, to be corrected. And then two, to be instructed. Caring for one another and pointing each other where we should go. Does the power of the word of God cleanse you and send you? That is the offering of Lady Wisdom at her feast. She says, forsake foolishness and go in the way of understanding. And finally, she says, and live. To experience the reward of living your life by the design of God. For by me, you will be multiplied and your years of your life will be added unto do, to you. If you are wise, you are wise for yourself. And if you scoff, you will bear it alone. We, we overstate it. All of the instruction of God is in fact for your reward. I just think of other ways that we receive instruction and we want to grow Imagine if rather than having a a 40-minute time to meditate and focus on the Word of God, we all came together to a conference on on just living and eating healthy. And someone laid out all of the ways for healthy eating and said, go and eat this. Some of you may think, well, I'm going to eat this so that I can lose weight and get, you know, the summer body. And it's just the pressure to do it so that I can get, you know, the other things that I want. And others of you who are blessed by it would say, because this is the way the body is made to be nourished. And that is the word of God. The word of God is just describing the way you were made to be nourished. It's describing the way all of the things and the wise sayings that we'll get to throughout the rest of our study, all of the ways they come into your life are the way that you're meant to live. And so you have a choice, not from one sermon, not from one day, but what kind of life do you want to live? God's design, life and life more abundant. Your design, The those who enter her house leave a path of destruction. I'll end by giving you a question that, that I've been thinking about. I, I listened to a Billy Graham sermon about this very topic recently. Um, and I, I loved it. I think it's worth sharing because it inspired me just from, from the history of it. It was, uh, he was, standing like he often did in in a big basketball arena. And the the whole stadium from the zoom out view, you could see is just filled with people. And then as he was getting ready to preach, he's standing behind the pulpit and it says the date 1982. And then underneath that, it said Boise, Idaho. So it was right down at the Boise State Pavilion. So I paused and I looked for some of you. I couldn't recognize any of you at that state. (laughs) But I I thought it was so appropriate because when Billy Graham came to our city, he came with a a message that was titled, Whose Fool Are You? That's a really interesting question as we think about this because we're not putting ourselves in a position to remove ourselves from the category of foolishness. The Bible clearly states, as we've looked at today, you live unto the ways of God and this world will think you are a fool. Paul says, I am a fool for Christ. You are wise in Christ. Everything that we do when we live our life according to God's design is going to look different to a world that is outside of the design living with their own version of ethics and morality and marriage and family and politics. And for those of you who feast on the word of God and go to find life in it, you're a fool to the world. And that foolishness will go all the way into the beginning of the very first step of your wisdom, which is the foolishness of how, in fact, you have hope in eternity. How you have hope in this life and the life to come. Paul says that the cross of Christ is foolishness to those who are perishing. We're about to take the body of Christ and the blood of Christ symbolically in an act of communion to say once again we put all of our hope, not in our good deeds or our ability to be wise, but in the perfection of wisdom in Christ. He who knew no sin, no foolishness, no folly becomes sin so that we can become righteousness, a transaction that belongs to the wisdom of God. And the outside world says, you guys are fools. If it's going to be, it's up to me, I save myself. But whose fool are you? Because as the world would call you foolish for putting all of your hope in the saving grace of God through his son, the perfection of wisdom, Jesus Christ, you reject that and you're God's fool. You live your life as though you're your creator, as though you have the best plan for your life, as though the temporary pleasures for sin are the best that you can come up with. And you will meet the creator of all of life You'll say, you're a fool this night. Your soul is required from you. And all of the stuff that you did in your earthly wisdom will vanish away as fastly as it came. So we end by saying, in the invitation, you can't get around the fact that you will be a fool to the world or a fool to God. Lady Wisdom says, come. Come. Feast on the word of God. Forsake foolishness and live. That is this life and the life to come. For those of us who believe we get to celebrate that moment of that feast and commit ourselves to it once again today and wherever God takes you, as we take the elements, if you have never made that commitment, if you've never forsook the foolishness where the fool says in his heart, there is no God, Well, the decision you have to make today is the first decision of the rest of your wisdom, which is to put all of your trust into God himself.